All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Pause, Ryan Play podcast. Yeah, we're excited to have you back on this episode of the Pause, Ryan Play podcast, like I said before. And let's kind of get things going. Josh, how have you been and what movies have you been watching this week? Dude, I have been great. Super good. There's obviously lots of stuff going on, kind of gearing up for a lot of uh, changes and different things, but I am super pumped to be here to be with you guys talking about movies um it has been a little bit since our last episode so i have watched a lot of stuff i finished up all that they have of the good doctor and it was good but also i'm very torn about things so if anyone has has watched the good doctor all the way through season three please please hit me up because i want to talk about stuff with people that I can't discuss here because it's major spoilers. But okay, uh, was the ending good or was it disappointing? That's my question. Not, like, there's not an ending really. It's um because it's like a it's still on TV, right? Oh, so it's it's kind of like mid. It's between seasons. I'm pretty sure it picks back up like in September or something. I don't know. So it's it's like between seasons. So I I'm torn about a lot of stuff. So I guess we'll just see where it keeps going. After I finish that. And I was in between trying to decide what show I should watch. I watched all of The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary, especially featuring Michael Jordan. And let me tell you, it was incredible. Like, it was amazing. All of this never-seen-before footage really gives you a, an inside view to that amazing three-peat after three-peat for that entire history franchise of the of the chicago bulls super amazing and especially as, as a sports fan it's something that you love to see and see all of that um amazingness unfold on screen and all of the behind the scenes stuff as well really interesting if you even have like a, a hint of interest in sports or like michael jordan i would definitely recommend watching that it's on it's on netflix so i watched that and then I'm watching a couple other things, but mainly right now my wife and I are watching Gravity Falls. I don't know if Ooh, anyone has seen Gravity Falls. Vince <laughs> Vince loves Gravity. I thought I saw. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw. I was going through our our work has like a our team has like an Excel sheet of like shows that we like and recommend to others. I'm pretty sure that Vince put Gravity Falls on there. Oh, did I? I would have guessed it was Bailey. It's it's possible it was Bailey. I don't know. It could have been it could have been either one. But my wife, I don't remember how it came up, but she was like, she was watching one of the episodes, and I was like, oh, I've heard this is really good. She's like, yeah, we should watch it together because it's been a little while since we've like had a show that we watched together, you know. And so we've been doing that. So I just finished the first season, and so there are so many parts that you know make me laugh and smile. But then also at the end of the first season, you're just like, what's happening? This is about to get so much crazier. Like. If you need convincing, I would just say watch like the first two episodes of Gravity Falls and you should be hooked. And there's not even anything that's like super like deep or anything. Just it made me laugh super hard. Not to like spoil anything, but there's this part where these and I don't know, my wife always makes fun of me for thinking this part is the most hilarious. She's even like looking at me right now like it's not even that funny. (laughs) But there's a part where they take like you know, one of those classic chase scene moments and just turn it on its head because they're doing like a chase in like a lake or something and they're speeding by and there are these two guys in these two different boats holding this big this big pane of glass and they're like, careful, careful. And they speed <laughs> through it and crack it. And I just, 
I lost my shit, guys. Like, when that happened, I laughed so freaking hard. And ever since then, I was like, I'm going to like this show. And it is hilarious. It is clever. It is smart. It has great voice acting. It's a great show. And I'm, I've heard that it's it's satisfying to end, but I, I'm sad that there's only two seasons because I, I wish there was more of it. But I'm getting started on the second season now. So I'll let you know how that goes. Nice. Nice. Sorry. What about you? <laughs> Some weeks, you know, you get you get going and you just watch and you go and you have a lot to say about it. So I'm proud of you. Way to go, Josh. Ten points for you. Boom. Vince, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? How's the life for you? Are you still running? What's what's going on? Dude, I'm doing great right now. Just got back from a run like forty five minutes to an hour ago. Got my cherry tomatoes I'm snacking on piece of jerky because i still haven't eaten dinner and i was 30 minutes late getting on here again i apologize <laughs> but oh. i am good just a quick thing about gravity falls once you finish it they actually did a real world scavenger hunt based on some stuff within the series what the heck? really interesting to look into also there is a tie-in between rick and morty and gravity falls look really too yeah really interesting I'll look into that. I hear there's um. So I have a a friend who's sort of, he's like in the beginning stages of kind of trying to be like in like the movie biz, like be like a, a director sort of thing like that. Awesome. And him and his buddies, or his buddies, he like you know got people and whatever, and they had like a a weekend filming session and everything, and they filmed like a real life trailer for what like they would want to be like the third season of gravity falls and it's gotten oh, like cool. thousands of hits and stuff and like it's it's pretty cool and he's like it's not just like really beginning he's pretty good so if you if anyone wants to check that out it's on a slack shack tv i think is what it's called and it's pretty cool and so that's like a that's also something that made me want to get into it because i watched that and it seemed cool and i was like all right i could do this so. yeah i want to see that it's not youtube huh it is up on YouTube. I can. I'll send you the, the link. Oh, okay. So that's the Slack, name of the channel. Slack Shacker TV. Yeah, it's the name of their channel. Gotcha. So I'll, gotcha. I'll send that to you. Cool. Well, I saw finally. I saw Peanut Butter Falcon. I was considering doing a back to back evening of Shia LaBeouf and watching Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy, but I only got around to watching the one. And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I think I might have built up the hype a little bit in my head for some reason. <laughs> Because I just thought it was going to be like the best thing I'd seen all year. And it, it's not, but it's really heartwarming and it's really touching and it's really well made. It's definitely got an indie feel to it. Kind of has some similarities in the way they cut it or the music that they use that's very similar to some of the old other indie movies I've seen. But it's it's a great movie. Like I said, really heart heartwarming. I recommend it to everybody. And then I started my rewatch of The Umbrella Academy because I went from indie to back to my superhero stuff. And season two of Umbrella Academy just came out, and I don't remember really what happened in season one, so I decided to jump back into season one. That show's freaking good. Episode one is freaking good. <laughs> Starts out with a Phantom of the Opera montage. Then it gets into like some weird like music dancing throughout the house, music video stuff, shootout in a donut shop. It's just Talking Monkey Butler. It's it's fantastic, fantastic show. I'm really excited to see where they go with it in season two. I'm actually just finishing up rewatching it too. Like just I I'm like I've been so stoked on it. Sorry to interject, but no, no. I have been so excited for it, and I like the same feelings. Do you know who wrote 
this? Like, who was one of the authors of this? I do, and I am not okay. See, see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. I freaking idolized that guy in high school. <laughs> freaking one of the best emo bands of all time. Um, and that was even before he did the Black Parade, in my opinion. Black Parade's still yeah. fantastic, but man, I loved that CD they did before. And then, yeah. and then he's a comic book writer. I mean, come on, what doesn't this guy do? I don't even know, but like, I remember, like, this is how silly it seems, and like, I know, like, this is gonna make me, like, feel dumb in a way. But I remember when, like, they were going on tour, and he was promoting like the release of some of them. And I remember being like, I don't like comics. This sounds stupid. And then, like, <laughs> I went over and looked at, it and I was like, this isn't my thing. And like, I left. And then a little bit later. I got more into comics again. I was like, I should have picked those up. They were like really early on. I could have got it signed by the author type thing. And I've ever, I've regretted it ever since. I just have to say that. Do you remember, you, you know, Tyler, right? Yeah. Kim from our high school ran into Gerard way in the music section of an FYE once. Randomly. Wait, really? Yep. Just, he's just chilling there looking at music and he comes back <laughs> to high school the next day. And he's like, Check this out, and hands me the little flip phone with a photo on it of him standing in Fye with Gerard Way, just looking like a normal dude, no makeup on, long greasy black hair, <laughs> yeah. like a normal normal two thousands emo kid that you'd see down the street. Dude, that's that's so rad. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm way excited. I'm actually going to start the next season of Umbrella Academy next week because currently I'm watching something else. So. I'll try to get to that point so we can like be on the same page. We should. We should tandem watch it. I'm here for it. I got a week to do it. I can do that. Yeah. You I think I'm on episode it. three now. So Watch one a day until, until next week and we'll be there. Yep. Perfect. What have you been watching other than that? Just that? No. So I watched Umbrella Academy. I watched World War Z. I watched the extended cut or the un, unabridged cut because, okay, like, I'm sorry to bring this up, but this whole entire pandemic, right? Like, I've been wondering what kind of zombie apocalypse I'm going to be experiencing throughout all of this. Like, I'm not going to lie to anyone. And for some reason, I couldn't remember World War Z that well. And so I had to, like, rewatch it. And Allie and I forgot a lot about it. But watching the extended, unrated, or whatever, like, it was more gory than I remembered. It was a little bit, like, more – it was a little bit crazier. But, I mean, man, Brad Pitt working for the UN, rad sauce, man. It was great. I love that movie. Though. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't want to say the movie is, is forgettable, but I would also – not not in like a bad way, but like I've definitely seen World War Z, and besides the fact that Brad Pitt is in it, I remember nothing about that movie at all. And and zombies, obviously, but you don't remember. Oh, I can't do it. Can That's what I remember the most. Yeah, I I didn't remember that, but like when you did it, I was like, oh yeah, like I remember that being there. But <laughs> that was a cool touch. It's creepy. It was so creepy, and there's nothing, I don't know, like, that film, that film is sketchy. Like you said, it's forgettable, but I don't know why it's so forgettable, because it's a good movie. And actually, you see a couple of actors in there, one who goes on to being, and maybe this was beforehand, I don't think it was, goes on to being 13 Hours in Benghazi, then another guy who goes on to being in The Haunting of Hill House and Game of Thrones, who's Dario wow. in there. 
And so it's kind of rad. And like Brad Pitt himself, you can't you can't ever get away from him. He's great. The the funny thing about it though is it's based on a book called World War Z. And the zombies in the book are not the same zombies that's in the movie. Like, like basically nothing in the movie is in the book at all. Like, even the types of zombies or anything. Like, they literally just took the name and ran with it. The book's really, really? good. It's a, yeah, the book's really good. It's a bunch of, like, short stories happening around the world of people dealing with zombies. But the, the guy who wrote it, um, uh, Brooks, I can't remember his first name. He also wrote uh, like the survival guide for the zombie apocalypse and the way that he like he's the one who kind of really kicked this off. I mean, Romero was the first, you know, but he wrote this book and he basically describes the zombies as very slow moving and they go through rigor mortis and da 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 da. And then all of a sudden World War Z, the movie comes out and they're the fastest zombies we've ever seen. You know, it's just it was really yeah. weird. It was really weird after reading the book and then seeing the movie. I was like. This isn't World War Z. <laughs> it's just zombie, <laughs> zombie waves. That's like me with um, I Am Legend. I Am Legend is yeah. like based on a book, I guess. I did a report on it for a film lit class that I had in high school. We were supposed to do ones about like book adaptations to movies. And I read that book and I was like, there's nothing. Not nothing. Like, but there's next to nothing similar about these. Number one. They were just like described as like monsters or something. I don't remember what the term was, but they were basically vampires. And then besides the fact that he like met a girl sort of partway through that he thought was like alive, I found almost nothing that was like connecting the two. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like the endings, nothing was together. I was like, all right, I guess you based it on this book, but okay. Isn't that kind of weird? I don't know. I've kind of like... I don't know. I've given up on book to movie adaptions overall, to be honest with you. Like they change it, but like, I think it's just a different form of creativity of telling a similar story. And that goes back to stealing like an artist. You take the idea and you change it and put your vision on it. Da, 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 da. Speaking of, oh. I got my copy. I'm like almost halfway through and I'm absolutely loving it. Thank you for the recommend. It makes me feel like the work I've been doing the last four years makes me feel less of a, of a poser. I, I thought that I was a poser, but apparently I, I've been doing it right the whole time and haven't realized it. Isn't that a great feeling? Isn't that a great feeling? Okay, guys, I have to talk about my final thing I've been watching. I know we're, we've been talking for a minute about movies, but I don't know how neither of you have watched or gotten through Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> series. Like, what the hell, guys? Like, it is so good. Like, that's all I have to say about it. It is a fun series. So I finished it. I got to the end. And I started watching The Legend of Korra, which is the follow-up to it. It's a different story, essentially, and it's focused on different things. But let me tell you, Aang, great. Katara, great. You know, all of those guys, great. I love Momo. I love all the characters. Like, the story came together so well. And, like, I loved Iroh the most out of all the characters. Um, he's the old general guy. The movie that they made of it, like M. Night Shyamalan, get the heck out of here with that crap. Like that wasn't even justice for the series. It was so good. So yeah, I just I just have to bring that up as a little rave and excitement. Like it was fun. I enjoyed it. If you haven't watched Ooh. Avatar Last Airbender, it's on Netflix and now's your chance to watch it. You can be like a, a, you know, like a kid again, almost like I was a teenager when it came out, like older teenager. And so I'm, I'm still glad I watched it because it was fun. I guess this year has been the year I've watched the most anime, per se, because I watched Dragon Ball Z, and now I just watched Avatar The Last Airbender. So it's been like kind of like a 
what do you call it? Like a throwback season for me on TV. It's been fun. Awesome. I think I, and I would have expected you, because I've tried to watch it twice, and I just haven't been able to get into it. I think that w- we were just, just a little older than the people mm-hmm. who are just like diehards about it. You know, we just missed the boat. If we were just like a year or two younger, we would be right there with everyone. You know, Avatar's the best show ever. Apparently you are. But that's my problem is like I have no – first off, I don't like anime. Second off, I have no like <clears throat> childhood memories or nostalgia about it. Third off, I'm not a huge fan of stories focused on little kids. And so I, I, I'm going to get a lot of hate. I didn't love Aang. I found him kind of an annoying little kid. Again, I only got to two or three episodes, so I probably shouldn't be saying anything about this because I'm the worst. I don't know anything about it. I've, I've heard it's fantastic, and I really want to give it a chance, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. that the live-action Netflix version that's coming out will will change my mind. You know, It'll get me yeah. into it because it won't be the cartoon stuff. It won't be so anime. It'll make it a little more appealing maybe. I don't know, hopefully, because I want to like it. I think that's what was kind of hard is like, so when I was watching it when I was younger, I didn't watch it like all the time. I just watched it here and there and popped in like, I'll be super real with you. I enjoyed SpongeBob more at this time in my life than I did like watching (laughs) other things. And so it's just kind of one of those things where I realized, okay, yeah, like going back and looking at it for what it was and like Nickelodeon was the ones who sponsored and produced it and helped put it out. You know, like I think they did such a good job, especially because it's an American anime, right, essentially. And most great anime doesn't come out of America. And so Mm -hmm. they did a really good job. Yes, it was like like the focus was on like a younger audience. But I think if you watch the story, like now that you're older you get a I've I got a lot more out of like the dialogue between like Iroh and um the Fire Prince Zuko and like all of this type of stuff. Like I got a lot more out of the dialogue and a lot more about out of the growth and the reasoning and, and why they were working towards it. So I thought it was just very interesting and not to get like too green piece here and too hippie, you know, but it talks about like some of the things we're going through and in kind of like a unique way and like it touches on it in a way that like is easier to understand but also is has a metaphor in it so you're like i am so zen you know and like it's it's fun that, that's awesome. really it like it was fun so yeah i hope the live action is also good i uh i i have a hard time like i said with adaption so i hope it gets better <laughs> well i think the original creators are doing it aren't they so i think they were originally but i i heard some of them like one or because there's two of them i think one of them or both of them have actually left now oh that's dangerous yeah that's not a good sign. That is not a good sign. <laughs> Rip to that show. I don't know. We'll have we'll have to see. I'm, I'm kind of curious, but I could be wrong though. So maybe they really didn't leave, but I really hope. Yeah. So Avatar: The Last Last Airbender creators exit the Netflix live action um, Bummer, production, yeah. and that was done on August 12th, is what they said. So. Yeah, that kind of that kind of blows, but I'm pretty happy overall. I think it could be good, but as long as it doesn't turn out like the Avatar movie or the Dragon Ball Z live action remake films, like we'll be fine. Cool. So yeah, well let's let's get talking about the movie we actually came here to talk about. Uh, Vince, this was your choice of movie, right? Yeah, Free Fire. <laughs> <laughs> had, had you guys ever heard of Free Fire before? I said we should watch Free Fire. No. I walked on into this movie with zero clue of what was going to happen, who was in it, what it was going to be, nothing. I turned it on, 
that A24 logo pops up, and I was like, we are going to be all right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we put our faith in A24 in all they do. <laughs> Bow before them, almighty creators. <laughs> yeah, well, good. Um, I mean, not good, because that explains why the budget for the movie was $5 million, and it only grossed $3.7 million, because... Nobody had heard of it. And I, I think I remember there was like really like some production drama, maybe not an actual production, but in like release. Cause I remember seeing the trailer like months and months and months before the movie actually came out. And I kept <laughs> thinking like, I want to see that. When is this coming out? And having to look it up and <clears throat> I could be wrong on that, but I remember vaguely something like that. So anyway, I'll, I'll jump into the movie information here. <clears throat> the movie was directed by Ben Wheatley, written by him and Amy Jump. It was released April 24th. 2017 again with a budget of five million dollars and only grossed 3.7 million dollars the rotten tomatoes critics gave it a 69 percent uh how do i say that critics is it a 69 percent of critics like it is that how you say the rotten tomatoes one basically yeah okay then then 52 percent of the audience liked it then imdb gave it a 6.4 and the movie is starring brie larson as justine Cillian Murphy as Chris. Side note, the Cillian Murphy really, really wanted to work with this director. And so he actually approached the director and said, I want to be in a movie with you. Write, write me a role. And so the director wrote his character, Chris, for Cillian Murphy. Charto, our, our, our boy, Casey, Charto Copley plays Vernon. He's, he's so good. He's your boy from what? Oh my gosh, Josh. He is from... He's in uh, District 9. He's in Elysium. He's in so many like good movies. Primarily hardcore the ones... Henry. Yeah. See, hardcore Henry. Don't no. see Hardcore Henry. <laughs> he <laughs> looks kind of familiar, like just like I didn't know where. Hey, with the stash he had in this movie, it probably could have been if it was the same. Yeah, he was in the A Team as well. I remember seeing him in A Team, like with because uh, it was the remake of the A Team, right? Yeah. And you have Liam Nielsen. And like it was good, and he was a helicopter pilot, and he's kind of crazy, and he he was good. Also, Chappie, he was good in Chappie as well because he was the voice of Chappie, and yeah, that one's kind of like, oh man, now. And actually, he's in a movie I'm waiting to watch: The Last Days of American Crime. I'm not gonna lie to you guys; I am super stoked. He was uh, he was so not to go too far. Sorry, we want to keep with the movie facts, but he was so annoying that afterwards I was like, "This guy's amazing," because you know that that character is supposed <laughs> to be like annoying as hell. So the, a lot of times you have to take a step back. Like when you hate like a character, you have to take a step back and be like, "That actor's freaking amazing!" Like they're making us hate <laughs> this guy so much. They're doing their job. So, like, shout out to him. So. Oh, he's great. The only thing I haven't that I've seen with him in it that I didn't like him in was this TV show Powers that was on for a little while. It was like Sony's was trying to make their streaming service for like a very short period of time, and they released this TV show based on a comic about a detective who basically was in charge of superheroes. Right? <clears throat> he would do the superhero cases. He didn't do good. He tried to do an American accent, and I just I didn't believe him in it because I've seen him in all these other movies that I've loved him in, and then all of a sudden he's like this, like, you know, I'm a I'm a regular detective working with powered people. Anyway, okay, hold on. So we're talking about people who portray American accents. Do you know the guy who's I believe it's Rick in The Walking Dead? 
That guy's freaking British. Andrew Lincoln. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so I like crazy. heard him speaking because I watched, is it Love Actually again, where he's in there flipping the signs? And I was like, oh. this freaking dude's British. Common <laughs> yeah, times, dude. I don't know if you know, if you've met her yet, Casey. Have you met Joe yet in Grey's Anatomy? I can't recall like, off the top of my head. She's like kind of later on. Like that was one that blew my mind is when you meet her or whatever, or for anyone who has seen Grey's Anatomy, Joe is a... Uh, she just is like totally normal, but she is a British actress, and it just drove me insane. Because I was like, "What the heck?" Like, I saw like an Instagram video or something she had done, and I was like, "How does she have this voice? It doesn't line up in my head." <laughs> we keep getting sidetracked. Jeez, my bad. Keep going, Vince. Sorry. No, you're good. So I've only got two more actors I'm gonna call out because they're the ones I recognized, and there's a lot of great actors in here. A couple of them I just don't really know. Um, Army Hammer plays Ord and Jack Rayner plays Harry. Did you guys recognize Harry in the movie? He looked like uh, budget Seth Rogen. Oh. Yeah, that's the, that's the boyfriend from uh, Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah, uh, I did Raynor. not recognize him. I didn't either. Did not recognize him. I recognized him about halfway through. I was like, hold on here. Because I thought the same thing as you. I was like, who is this? Like, this is the, what, who'd you just say it was? Because Seth Rogen, you order off of Wish, right? You order yeah. Seth Rogen <laughs> and this guy arrives. And I was like, what the heck? So, yeah, I was like looking at that because I called it out like halfway through the movie. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that guy was in Midsummer, And now it was like, maybe. So God, he did good in this. I he did loved him in this but we'll get to that in a little bit i have a section that i've written down um it titled every character is lovable who is your favorite and we'll get to that in just a little bit (laughs) first off casting considerations uh brie larson wasn't always cast in the role as justine um it was originally planned for olivia wilde to play her but she backed out of the project um, and then Vernon was not going to originally be Charlotte Copley. It was going to be Luke Evans, and he dropped out because of scheduling problems. Thank goodness, because I don't think Luke Evans would have been able, it would have been a completely different character than what Char- Charlotte did with the I Vernon agree. character. Yeah. And that's sure. it. That's everybody. So mm-hmm. I guess let's start with that. Every character in this movie is lovable. Who's your favorite? Because this cast is stacked. Like like you said, Josh, not going into this, did it just blow your mind when everybody was showing up? Army oh, Hammer. dude. The second I saw... So, like, the the stash threw me off. But, like, the second I saw Cillian Murphy in there, I was like, hold up. Like, wait, <laughs> what? Because, you know, obviously A24, you know, they're very well known. And obviously, especially now, they do a lot of... Not, like big budget but just like they do their films and they have their people and it's more just about the story you know like i see cillian murphy and i was like oh geez and then freaking brie larson is there and i was like oh my goodness and just like as it kept going i was like this is incredible this cast is amazing and that was so much of it because when you have a story that's told all at once in one setting without moving all over the place it really come becomes about the story these characters and what they're doing there and I think they knocked it out of the park. As far as who was the most lovable, I don't know if he's the most lovable, but just because I like the actor so much, I would probably say Chris, you know, Cillian Murphy. He he was the one who I was rooting for the whole time, you know. Obviously, I was rooting against old 
Charlteau, um, Vern or something because he was being sort of a, like a dick to everyone. But, you know, it was, it was really interesting just to see it all unfold. And I was rooting for, for Chris and Justine basically the whole time. So I, I'd probably say them. Casey, what about you, Case? did you like this? Did you like this movie first off? And who's your favorite character? So I actually kind of had a hard time with this movie, to be honest with you. Okay, like, I don't want to bash on it. It felt like it was four hours long to me at some point. <laughs> and let me tell you who my favorite character is, and then let me tell you a little bit more, and maybe that can... I don't know. So I'm not going to lie to you. I loved Ord. Um, Army Hammer, like, he was my favorite. Like, he was just doing stuff, and then he'd smoke for a bit. It just kind of talked through. Like, it was business as usual for him, and... I love that, like just kind of that, like staying cool in the in like the unexpected, and perhaps like in his line of work, he had to expect stuff like this. I don't know, but I I, I thought he did really good. And then I gotta go with Cillian Murphy's Chris as well. Like he just so good, just the way he portrays it. Like it was good. And like as as far as I understand, and I I, I think I I think I've got this right. I'm pretty sure that this is based around like the time of like the Irish rebellion type going on um, between like over in Ireland before it splits off into the Republic of Ireland and then Northern Ireland, the Republic of Northern Ireland. And so like, this is when they're like fighting in the streets to like either remain as an independent nation or become a part of the UK. And so I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is, I haven't quite figured that out that out yet but i'm thinking that's, that's kind of how is. they made it feel like like they they were some kind of freedom fighters over there in ireland that needed the guns to stand up to some government or something but i i don't know history at all and that's one of the things that i actually loved about this movie is how little they had to set anything up they just kind of dropped you in and then they had little one-liners that kind of explained a little portion of the situation or gave a character a little bit of backstory or, you know, but it wasn't focused on the purpose of the movie. It was just like the gunfight, the action. Right. And like coming into it with no knowledge about what the movie was going to be. I was like waiting for those pieces of information before I got to the point where I was like, we're a third of the way through the movie and they're still here. Like, is this not going to go anywhere? Like, and that was like when I realized, Oh, okay. This movie is literally just focused around the gunfight, this section of time, like this thing, like the outside, even though, you know, they're here for a reason that doesn't matter. These characters, they're here. Are they going to survive? Not like that sort of thing, you know? And it was crazy to me, even though they're, um, you know, in this gunfight and doing everything, how many different times things would happen, like, you know, like you mentioned, like board smoking or different stuff like that, where, you know, their lives are on the line and they're just kind of chilling. They're like, hey, like, how you doing? Like, roll call. Like, who's still left here? Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, man. It reminds me a lot of someone trying to do a Tarantino movie, you know, like a Reservoir Dogs or something with less clever dialogue, like way less clever dialogue. Because like like a Tarantino movie is all about that them talking, but it's the same thing. It's like it all takes place in one location. All the characters are a little bit lovable, and you know you learn a little bit more about each one as the story goes on. But it, the bigger picture doesn't really matter. It's the relationship of all these characters together and uh, and the gunfight and the gunfight. The gunfight's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of got the vibes of like, like you said, like a Tarantino-esque film, but also like it, it had parts of it that reminded me of Bad Times at the El Royale almost. Like, because there was like, they tried to have the dialogue. They tried to have that kind of like slow burn is how I feel kind of like it was. I still need like, to see that. Yeah, you do need to see it. You haven't oh, seen Vince. Oh, Vince. I know, I know. That's a good okay. one. Come sit on my couch. We're going to watch it as soon as possible. <laughs> Just show up over here. That's definitely on my top 10 of, of 2018. I think it's like number five or something. Yeah, it's it's so good. But yeah, I kind of had those moments. I, th- I feel like this movie was shot well and had good music. And like, like you said, the banter and like the dialogue, there were some like funny one-liners, but overall it was nothing to write home about. But I feel like the battle, like kind of like the fighting was kind of like, it was fun. That's I think what is like the biggest redeeming part of this movie is the actors and how they portray their characters and then the fighting. Like that's uh-huh. that 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 for me is what made this movie. I am and I also like we can get into a section about sort of like nitpicks and stuff because I do also think that there are a couple things that I would want to uh, point out about the movie, but when you're talking about that with the gunfight, I loved the realism of of it all, you know? Like it was very very realistic with like what was happening and then the way they that they would react you know like there was very few times after like that first initial gunfight where anybody was up walking around because you know been shot everyone's like dragging themselves on the floor and like doing all of this stuff and it all felt very real like what would actually happen because obviously i mean we as we as an audience we love those huge flashy gunfights and obviously what comes to mind is is one of our favorite movies baby driver and the tequila scene i love that you know like the tequila scene all of that stuff it's flashy it's awesome you know in baby driver obviously it goes with the music i love it but this felt very gritty very real very dirty like just down to bit like oh crap this is happening it's going down like a gunfight's gonna happen who's gonna get out what's really gonna happen it got down to the real aspect of it like a gunfight's gonna happen people are going to die and it's real. Like it was, it was good that way. Yeah. Like even, even like to the point of people do get shot, but how many bullets do they shoot that don't hit them? You know, like hitting, hitting a moving target, hitting a moving target is hard and movies make it look like, you know, James Bond will never miss, you know, the only people who miss in movies are stormtroopers. And this is just like, here's the lovable people that are terrible shots. Pistols are even harder to shoot. I mean, there's that scene with Vernon, like, shooting at one of the guys, and he just can't hit him, and he's walking so slow. And, and like, Army Hammer's character is just like, use two hands, Vern, you know? Like, yeah, he's, like, pushing him along. <laughs> and then, like, even when they miss... Like there's moments where the shrapnel will like blow off and hit someone in the face and they'll be like flinch or or the one guy from Game of Thrones that cuts Jamie Lannister's hand off. He I think I'm pretty sure it's a shrapnel that hits him that bloodies up half his face before the gun like as gunfight first like starts. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I just I love that commitment to realism throughout the whole thing. It made it fun. It made it just super enjoyable. And I think what's cool is they I don't I don't know how to describe it like the. <laughs> I feel like I'm just t- 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 but it just made the film just enjoyable as well like knowing that there was the the dedication to realism but also like I don't know 
Josh, I know your family are big John Denver fans. And so as the van comes rolling in, just singing any song, you know, playing any song. <laughs> and it's just like, this is either going to be super bad or super great. And it fits so well, considering what it was. And then when they get in the van again later, and it's just playing again as they're driving around. It was so good. Let me, let me tell you, I have, you know, not so much ever since I've, I've lived on my own. But in my life, I have listened to a lot, a lot of John Denver. And I've heard Annie's song a lot of times i never ever thought that i would be hearing any song playing as some dude rolled over another man's face <laughs> in a warehouse in boston like let me tell you that is one of the last situations i ever thought that i would hear that song so super interesting but also like pretty like okay dang like very weird i have to call out since you brought that up i found this on imdb the stunt in which the van rolls over Steve-O's head was done practically. It was based on a trick from Penn and Teller where one side of the vehicle is heavily weighted down while the other side is not. Then the tires are replaced with a softer rubber, rubber or foam ones. Ben Wheatley demonstrated the stunt himself before he, to, to prove it was safe before he put the actor through it. Isn't that cool? Wait. Yeah, that's awesome. You actually run over the, pers- the person's head in real life and by <laughs> tricks of props and stuff it looks ah! like yeah really cool that is awesome only other practical effect that they shouted out was uh charto copley vernon when he gets set on fire that was actually the actor doing his own stunt they set him on fire for it and man did that look painful holy crap oh. when he's laying there in the hall just kind of shaking oh oh it gives me chills thinking about it. dude what a cool scene though that was like the chase for the like where like we got to get to the phone we got to call back up you know and they're and they're just like fighting their way up and finally the essentially the two bosses get up there and kind of have it out and chartu gets like lit on fire i guess vernon right is his name and then the other boss the irish guy he gets lit on fire i forgot his name all of a sudden oh my gosh Um, charlie i think it was chris it's chris chris isn't the one in there that was the very end Oh, you're right. You're right. Frank. Frank was the one up there. So, like, it was just it was just a cool shootout between the two of them. Yeah. And that's what I loved about the movie. Like, I understand why you got bored. But for me, the pacing works really well. Like, I can't recommend this to everybody because it is just an hour and a half long shootout with some character <laughs> development between each other, you know? Yeah. But for me, it was like every time I was like, how are they going to drag this out for so long? something else changes in the in the in the fight that makes it interesting again you know like it starts out and you have all this like pressure building up between steve-o and harry who steve-o apparently bottled harry's cousin the night before and that's i mean tensions are already high because vernon brought the wrong guns in and like they're just kind of playing them and so like you know chris is being disrespectful to vernon like one of my favorite moments is is vernon with his new suit, you know, be careful with the new suit. And he, and just Sin Murphy, Chris's character just doesn't care. Just isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't dealing with this guy. And so like every time the movie, I was just like, I don't know if I can, I might get bored of this after a little while. Something else was introduced to make it interesting again, which was like the snipers up in the nest. And then after the snipers, the phone rings. And then after the phone rings, something, you know, the one guy shows up later in the movie. Who's like one of the Irish guys who shows up late. 
So or the guy who was like really shot in the head and gets up randomly oh. for like five minutes and just like, that's like runs the, around in his yellow out. suit. That's like one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> it is. It is. That's that's why I bring it up because it was just it, it like that one was probably for me like the biggest like whoo good moment. Um, and it made it fun because he just like wait where am I? I know you and kind of like going around and and that was fun. So yeah, I, I, so that's what brains look like. Yeah, and you can tell in that moment nobody wants to be in this firefight, and everyone's just kind of like, you know, I won't shoot at you if you don't shoot at me. As as is it Harry? Was that his? No, not Harry. Whatever, whatever his name was. Anyway, I loved it. And and one another one of my favorite lines from that moment is after he falls over again. Harry's like, "Is he dead? Someone, someone check and see if he's dead. Nobody shoot while I check to see if this guy's really dead." <laughs> and then Army Hammer's just like. Poke him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moments like that just made me like, it made me laugh. And I'm just like, all right, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm back into this again. Like, all right, I got it. I'm back. Perfect. And I'm just a sucker for over-the-top action movies, and that's, that's really <laughs> what this is. So I have, to, I have to shout out my favorite characters because this is kind of going to go into the next section that I want to talk about. Okay. My favorite character... Did you say who yours was, Casey? Was it Army yeah. Hammer? Okay. Yeah, so Army Hammer's character as well as Cillian Murphy's character. Yeah. So I would assume in that you guys are both on the Irish side then, right? If you were in the shootout, you'd side with the Irish? Which ones were the Irish? Cillian Murphy? Cillian Murphy's team. Yes. Casey? I don't I don't know. That Chartou guy, he was pretty fun. <laughs> You would be a weird boss, but I feel like the Irish boss seemed more like you could predict what he was going to do. That was it. Like, Chartou's character, unpredictable. Irish character, super predictable. Like, he was just aggressive and a bully and, like, tough. So, I would um, choose the Irish side, but I would want Ord to be on my side because that <laughs> guy knew what he was doing, man. So, who I think that Ward just. Or just kind of ended up on the other side because that's the side he happened to be on when, and he had the whole like, con like those moments with Frank where Frank just didn't like him, but he really was just the middleman. He really didn't care. He just wanted to get out of there alive. <laughs> he just wanted his cutting to get out. Yeah. So my favorite character, and I think, and Josh, I think you. It sounds like you disagree with me. I think Charlotte Copley's character Vernon in this is just the best. He just cracked me up through the whole thing. He's just this this guy you love to hate because he's so he's such a coward and he's he tries to build himself up like he's like this big boss guy, you know. He gets hit in the face and starts to bleed. He's like, I'm from Africa. People in Africa are tough. I'm tough. And I barely even felt it, you know. <laughs> but but in the end, he's the guy with like cardboard armor crawling across the floor because he doesn't want to get infection and he's scared that his suit's gonna get beat up. He just made me laugh all the time vernon's my favorite he's such a misfit for that situation you know like it's so it really is so interesting and like i said at the beginning he was so annoying that i just had to to tip my cap to him like what a performance mm -hmm. close second for me though is harry uh budget seth rogan jack rayner <laughs> 
that guy was cracking me up through the whole movie. He had some of the best lines. He's the one who accidentally shoots his own team. He shoots Justine in the leg and then just kind of laughs about it. Like, Oh crap. Whoops. You know, like, and then him and Steve O's like back and forth towards each other, just talking crap. And by the end, Harry just doesn't care. He's just like, whatever. Nobody matters. Uh, I don't care who's on my team. He shoots Ord in the leg too, right? I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I shot Ord in the leg. Don't tell him or he's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just the screw up. And it's because of him and Steve-O that this whole thing happens. And he just, oh my gosh, he was cracking me up through the whole thing. You know, asking for money from Ord if he goes to like pick up the case or something. And that's another thing that Vernon always did. He's always trying to convince people, you know, go get the case, get the case. You go over and get it because he wouldn't dare to go get it himself, you know. Oh, just it cracked me up. They were so funny. So I think I'm with you, Casey. I think you said. I think I'm on their team. Just because they're (laughs) cracking me up so much. I know that they're the bad guys of the movie. And I know that Cillian Murphy and his crew are like built to be the ones you care about. He's the one trying to protect Justine, you know. They're the ones like getting screwed in the first place. They have every reason to be pissed off. Yeah. But man, these guys were cracking me up so much that I would just much rather hang out with them than hang out with the Irish guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like getting into the van or getting into like, you know, cahoots with these guys would be kind of like the fanboys movie. Like you get in this van and it's just a wild ruckus going around. You don't know what's going to happen. And somehow you end up in a warehouse in a gunfight. Like that's how I feel like it was. Yeah. It was like what happened here but yeah i loved it so and definitely you could tell the brains of the group was um vernon's partner that gets shot in the head i wish i would have wrote down his name i didn't recognize him so i didn't write know his name because there's already such a big cast his name is it's it's martin martin Um, and the actor's name is babu um sise yeah. and it's so sad for him too because like it's the 70s and racism is it you know a, a high i mean mm-hmm. it it's always it's been worse before but like there's a lot of racism back in the 70s and so he just isn't getting the respect he deserves but you can tell he's like the muscle the smarts and he's like attached to this vernon guy because he needs him you know <laughs> for some reason he needs him because he's it's like he's the probably. pr guy and uh martin is the uh martin's the brains of the operation and yeah. he's like and He's back like, then, uh, no one would respect the black guy, so he has to have the white guy that's really worthless, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it was, I think that part, like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to know more about his character because he's like, oh yeah, have right. the money machine. Like, he has all of this type of stuff, and he has the actual plan for the thing. And I just, I thought it was so good. Like, I, I, I think we deserved more of his character in this film, for sure. Like, but... His parts were good. Oh, he like, did the first, steal the moments. Yeah. Smart. And then when he like leapt up after being like dead, almost like he's just running around with the gun, like, where's the money? Where's this? Where's the girl? Where are you at, baby? Like just going around, like just so much blood, just caking his shoulder, just all down his shoulder. And then <laughs> yeah. was it Harry? So that's what a brain looks like. So <laughs> no, you said Josh. It's so funny. Yeah. It was good. It was, it was fun. I don't know, Vince, like, when when looking at this film, like, what would you say truly made this film, like, what it was, like, different from other films of this type of shootout? Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I've watched a movie that's just straight shootout in one warehouse before, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I mean, I we kind of talked about how it felt 
Tarantino-esque. Like, again, we're using budget versions of things. It, it did feel like a budget version of a Tarantino movie, just with more focus on the action than the than the dialogue. But I can't really think of anything either. But I am impressed. I am impressed that they kept my attention for so long with so much gunfire. And I enjoyed it so much. This is my second time seeing it, and I would watch it again. I, I just really... I liked all the characters. I liked all of their interactions with each other. It's just a really fun turn your brain off and enjoy what's happening. And and another surprising thing is how well, like, I don't know, how well that they placed everybody. Like, I did not feel lost in the warehouse one time throughout the whole movie. I kind of understood where everybody was from here to yeah. here with so many people shooting and so many cuts from different people shooting at each other that there was a couple of moments that someone would be laying there. I'm like, Oh man, I wonder if he could get shot from that position, you know, but I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoy it. It's not one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, but it's a good, unique ride with a great cast and a fun premise. Yeah. I think that's like the, what we were talking about was like, what sets us apart is that, you know, shootouts are in basically every action movie that you watch nowadays. Right. But there hasn't really been a movie where the movie is, or like the shootout is the movie. Like this entire movie, like what happens before doesn't really matter. What happens after is just, you know, who get out alive and whatever. But like the movie is this moment in time, like something that happens. Because like so many of these happens, you know, you'll see three or four shootouts in an action movie or fight scenes or whatever, like blah, blah, blah. This one is like, okay, let's focus in to an individual one, let's get real with it, see what happens, and take you for a ride within this individual moment. We're just going to go through this moment in time and tell you the exact entire layout, break it down in basically what had to have been pretty much real time and see where it goes from here. And like you said, they did this, and it was unlike anything that's done before. And I would watch this movie again, would I see another movie that was made like this again? Probably not. Do you know what I mean? Like if there was like another person who was like, we're going to make a movie that's just like one shootout. I would be like, I saw that already. And it's not something that's so interesting that I'd be like, I'd have to see that again. Like something like searching, even though I'd want it to be different, I'd watch something like that. Like again, not like saying like that searching was like better than this, but like as far as like aspect is like what I would like watch again. It was like, they did it and it was interesting in the way that it was so unique and different, but it, it, it should remain unique in that they did it. They explored what it would look like to take one, what would be like five minutes in one action movie and turn that into a feature like film. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And now I've seen, it, you know, you know, well, you described a moment in time. Um, we keep bringing up, I keep bringing up Tarantino, but that's exactly how Tarantino described Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just a moment in time. What happened before, what happened after, doesn't matter. It's the day in the life of these people. Well, and, and looking at this, like when you bring it up as a moment of time, I think that like can pivot our conversation a little bit. Like when we bring, I want, I want to bring it back to that thought on realism, right? Like that dedication to realism. And in movies, right, we see all these gunfights like we see five or six happen but the reality of like gunfights and battles is they're not often just 37 seconds five minutes and done they're tired they've been shot they're like exhausted from navigating and moving around they're sweaty they're gross they need a moment to breathe like 
you see all of this and how each of them handle the stressful situation. You know, Army Hammer's character is like just smoking probably a cannabis cigarette. Um, then you have what's his name, Steva, who does like crack in the middle of the fight, like goes kind of crazy. And then you have like the people who are like, ah, this hurts, like you know. And then you have there, there's so much of it, I guess, like. When you look at it, it's more of like there's it's been layered and designed well enough that like this moment in time may have actually only been 30 minutes. But the way that they stretch out showing you the different perspectives of the different characters, the things they experience it ex- extended out to, you know, the hour and a half that we got. And I think that like looking at it that way, it helps me see the film in a better light and something that makes me say, OK, like maybe I shouldn't have been so bored because they were giving it from more of a realist ex- like example or experience i don't know maybe i'm crazy i think i think you're right on there so we're getting kind of long in the podcast josh you said you had some nitpicks casey i'm sure you've got some too that i want to hear so nitpick number one for me definitely would have been like even though i did enjoy this film and like how interesting it was there were definitely moments where i like looked up and was like this film is very like gimmicky and that it focuses on this one moment did this film like need to exist? Like, is this an interesting enough idea that it warranted a feature length film? And I ended up liking the movie, but there were definitely times where I thought that, and there were probably a lot of people who said no, like, even though, yeah, it's interesting to think about one gunfight being a whole movie that doesn't deserve a movie in its own. Right. Um, There were definitely a couple of times where, I sort of like was bored as well where it was like yeah I'm like I'm glad that we're here but I don't really know what we're doing and yeah they're like shooting it out and whatever but there's not a lot going on and but then they would have like funny moments to crack those up or like you mentioned Vince like they would have they would have something new that would come into play that would like push it along but also even though I did enjoy it once we were getting to the end I was like all right like let's (laughs) let's get there like where's the end who gets out and like let's see what happens um and i don't know like i like i said i did overall enjoy the film there were just definitely still a couple times where i had those like moments where i'm like is this like that next level of filmmaking but i really believe that the the idea and then also mostly just the actors and their way that they brought to life those characters which was so much of the film really made us made us love it and made the movie worthwhile I totally agree. My biggest nitpick is I don't know where everybody was pulling bullets out from. <laughs> Lots of guys had like like little revolvers with like five or six spinny thingy in the middle. I don't remember what they're called. Chamber, whatever, <laughs> and revolving. It, and it, yeah, it showed them all reloading a lot or like their guns getting jammed or like, you know, but everyone just always had bullets. Like where they just had pockets. Did they just have pockets and pockets of bullets? <laughs> that's the literally the only nitpick i have i love them that is that is true and then also like for me it was like uh, where do they get the bullets and also like where was this ammo and where were these guns because it was such a big deal at the beginning when they were doing like the the test of it that ord was like all right like hey when a gun is out just for safety i'm gonna i'm gonna like pull my gun out and that was such a big thing and then all of a sudden when this gunfight goes down, everyone has guns and everyone has like unlimited ammo and stuff like that. And you're just like, okay. Like yeah. to be fair, they were reloading and it wasn't as like unrealistic as like a Marvel movie or something else like that, where there really is just unlimited ammo and no reloading and everyone has as or much like as a, they want. 
like an 80s Rambo movie. Right, exactly, where that just stuff doesn't exist, but there still was a hint of unrealistic ammo something. I couldn't figure out how to finish that sentence. Use. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, Harry, like, he kept pulling bullets out of his coat. Like, you could see him, like, pulling stuff out, so maybe he just had a bunch of loose bullets, but I don't know. That's that's a good nitpick right there, because there were a few things, like I said, it felt long. I didn't... Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I think Brie Larson deserved a little bit more time in this this film. Like, she kind of, like, passes out at one point. It's gone for 35 minutes in the end. And she's stuck in the building and can't escape because the police are there finally. And, like, that was interesting to me. But other than that, like, yeah, the film was good. I would maybe great. agree with you there. I thought... And, like, I know that they did what they did for the story or whatever, but I would have loved to see more screen time for both Brie Larson and for Martin's character as well. Because I agree that when he was there, he did kind of steal the show. But, Vince, I'm glad you recommended this film. I just have to say that. So, guys, I I think it was good. If I were to give thumbs up, you know, on this movie, you'd get a thumbs up from me. I agree. I think it, I think it's about scored right. I'd probably give it around a seven or whatever. I think it was six point four on IMDb. I I don't really I can't argue that. I'd probably give it a little bit higher, but yeah, it's not like blow you out of the water movie. You couldn't argue this movie to be a ten, and you couldn't argue this movie to be like a three. You know, it's yeah. right in that range. Mm-hmm. Do you think this film like? So I looked into kind of what happened with the release. So originally, like this was purchased by a company called Alchemy. And then Alchemy Studios essentially may have had some financial troubles where they might have went bankrupt. And that's why A24 Films purchased the the movie. But do you think if this had had a larger global release and not been released at a film festival, do you think this film would have been better accepted? Or do you think it would have just done about the same? I think its ratings would be about the same. But I think that box office would have been higher for sure, you know. Because I feel like it would have been something that was interesting enough and had enough, you know, stars or people in the cast that it would have warranted, you know, a few more people pulling out their wallets to go and see it. But that's just my opinion. That cool. explains why I saw the trailer so early and then it felt like forever before it came out in regular theaters because it was a festival movie. So I must have saw it for the festival when they were promoting it. And then it disappeared until finally it came to theaters. Yeah, because, yeah, I... I'm not I'm not quite certain what exactly happened. I don't have all the details on it, but hmm. it ended up premiering at the Toronto Film Festival and then it did the same thing. It served as a closing night film for the London Film Festival. And so, yeah, I think I think it was a good film like overall, like to be honest with you. But I wish there had been a little bit more something. So, yeah, guys, I don't know. Any last words before we close this one out? Nope, nope. Thanks for watching that one with me. Looking forward to whatever's next. Well, we'll have to we'll have to decide on the next film. Who knows? I could make us rewatch the the poor remake of The Last Airbender. <laughs> is that really where you want me to start <laughs> with that series? Is with the M. Night Shyamalan? The Shyamalan version? Yeah, oh, we're not man. doing that. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> please don't. Please, All right. please don't. I'm leaving this in there because I'm the podcast editor, and it's kind of funny if you'd seen my face because, like, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality of it is, is we'll figure something out. Folks, if you want to watch Free Fire, you can actually find it on Netflix. It's super easily accessible if you have a Netflix subscription or an ex-girlfriend who at one time had a Netflix subscription. As per usual, if you can check us out on our social, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
We also are available anywhere where you can stream podcasts. If you have a buddy who's like, oh, I want to listen to this, but, you know, I don't use your podcasting service, we're everywhere. So look us up. Give us a five-star rating if you can or the review you feel we need um, because we're looking to continue to do this and have fun with it. And also thank you once again for tuning in to the Pause Where I Play podcast. 